Hello, I'm John Donvan, moderator of Intelligence Squared U.S. Join us online at iq2us.org to vote on the motion and keep the debate going. ISIS is not losing, and that is the hard truth. This Islamist movement that is stunning and revolting the world by enslaving men and women and children and cutting off the heads of hostages while gaining more followers all the time has shocked U.S. leaders with the speed of its conquest of large portions of Syria and Iraq. And yes, the U.S. has been bombing from the air since 2014, but that is a far cry from going all in against ISIS. Rather, to borrow a term from the Cold War, the U.S. strategy comes closer to something that was known as containment, the attempt to hem in an enemy to prevent its power and influence from growing in the hope that someday it will collapse from within. And how much sense does that strategy make in the case of ISIS? Well, that sounds like the makings of a debate, so let's have it. Yes or no to this statement. Containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. A debate from Intelligence Squared U.S. I'm John Donvan. We are in Aspen, Colorado, in partnership with the Aspen Strategy Group. As always, our debates will go in three rounds, and then our live audience here in Aspen will vote to choose the winner, and only one side will win. Our motion again, containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. Let's meet the team arguing for the motion. Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Michelle Flournoy. And Michelle, you're co-founder and CEO of the Center for New American Security. You served in the Department of Defense during the Clinton administration and then in the Obama administration as Undersecretary of Defense for Policy. Uh, But you recently co-authored an op-ed that was critical of the Obama administration's efforts to fight ISIS. And we're wondering, do you think the Obama administration has heard you? Well, I certainly hope so. But to be fair, you know, the administration has a lot on its plate right now. This little thing called the Iran deal, getting that through Congress concluding a historic trade deal in Asia. But I'm confident that once those two things are taken care of, this will move to the top of the president's nightstand reading pile. And keep him up all night. Thank you very much, Michelle Floroy. Can can you tell us, Michelle, who is your partner? So my partner is the brilliant Philip Zellico. Philip Zellico, ladies and gentlemen. And Philip, you are also arguing for the motion that containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. You're a professor of history at the University of Virginia, and you have served as a counselor to the State Department and as director of the 9-11 Commission. Um, You've also served on the President's Intelligence Advisory Board for both Presidents Bush and Obama, which might strike some listeners as odd, um, because they really want to know, is is it common for somebody to advise presidents of different parties? I'm afraid, John, it's not common enough, uh, which is a shame because I think presidents need all the help that they can get. Well, I think a lot of people in this room have helped some of them out, actually, along the way, so they'll be listening closely. Ladies and gentlemen, the team arguing for the motion that containment is not enough, ISIS must be defeated. And now let's meet the team arguing against the motion. Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Anne-Marie Slaughter. Anne-Marie, you are president and CEO of the think tank um, New America and professor emerita of politics and international affairs at Princeton. You are the first woman to hold the position of director of policy planning for the U.S. State Department. You've also served as dean of Princeton's Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs. And we're curious whether your affiliation with a school named for Woodrow Wilson gives us a hint to your brand of statecraft. <laughs> well, all right, it does, but it is coincidental in that even before I was dean, I've always stood for a values-based foreign policy 
on the ground that when the United States acts as consistently as possible with our values, it advances our national interest and it augments our power. Which I'm sure will inform your arguments today. And please tell us who is your partner. The foreign policy analyst extraordinaire, Dov... Um, Zakheim. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the unforgettable <laughs> Dov Zakheim. <laughs> Stuff. Shows you, you how well we prepare. <laughs> <laughs> you are also arguing against the motion that containment is not enough. I not anymore. Must be defeated. <laughs> <laughs> You're a senior advisor at the Center for Strategic and International Studies and a senior fellow at CNA Corporation. You've served the Department of Defense in different capacities. Um, you are its coordinator for civilian programs in Afghanistan. You're its chief financial officer and an undersecretary of defense. You are also a Vulcan, which is not in the Star Trek sense. Can you explain what a Vulcan is? Yeah, there were uh, seven of us, uh, not including Mr. Spock, um, who who, uh, advised George W. Bush when he was running for president. And it was named after the statue of the god Vulcan in Birmingham. And since uh, we had no say in it, we became Vulcans. It's a better than a Star Trek story, actually. Thank you very much, Doug Zakheim, and welcome to the team arguing against the motion. Now, this is a, a debate. It's a contest. It's a contest of ideas and logic and persuasion, maybe a little wit and humor. By the time the debate has ended, this audience will have been asked to vote two times, once before the arguments and once again after the arguments, and the team whose numbers have moved the most in percentage point terms between the two votes will be declared our winner. On to round one, opening statements from each debater in turn, uninterrupted, speaking first for the motion. Containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. Michelle Flournoy, she is uh, co-founder and CEO of the Center for a New American Security and former Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Flournoy. ISIS is more than a terrorist organization. It is a proto-state, an ideological movement that is committed to undertake jihad against anyone who rejects its abhorrent ideology. ISIS is brutal in the extreme. It, is, uh, it has beheaded innocent civilians. It uh, rapes women and girls and sells them into sexual slavery. It crucifies Christians. Over the last year, ISIS has established a very substantial safe haven in Iraq and Syria, and it has recruited more than 22,000 foreign fighters from more than 100 countries. The scale and scope of this uh, mobilization is unprecedented. Thousands of these fighters have Western passports that would allow them to travel back to Europe and to the United States without a visa. In the last year, ISIS has sought to establish footprints in places from Libya to Afghanistan, Nigeria, the Caucasus, even Southeast Asia. Holding territory is critical to its momentum and its legitimacy. It has also established a global presence on the Internet, Again, the scale is eye-watering. 90,000 social media messages each day. 90,000 a day. Now, defeating ISIS will require an intensive, a more intensive and fully resourced campaign on the part of the United States and our international partners. We need to intensify our diplomacy and our military support to Sunni and other partners so that they can be empowered to defeat ISIS on the ground. We need increased international engagement to try to keep the civil war from, in Syria from destabilizing neighboring states like Jordan 
in Lebanon and Turkey. Militarily, in Iraq, we need to provide more support, trainers, combat advisors, equipment, close air support, to local partners on the ground who can take on ISIS and take back territory. To be clear, I am not, we are not arguing for a repeat of the Iraq war. We are calling for intensified support to partners. Thinking globally, we also need to combat ISIS using the full range of tools that we've developed for counterterrorism, disrupting their financing, targeting their leadership. We need to work with private sector and NGO partners uh, to combat them online. The other team will argue that containment is a better option. I will tell you that containment won't work. Containment means allowing ISIS to hold on to sanctuary, It means uh, ISIS will be able to continue to plan attacks, recruit followers, inspire lone wolves. If there's anything we should have learned from 9-11, it is that we must not allow a terrorist organization like this to have sanctuary in the heart of the Middle East or elsewhere. Now is the time to do more, to act with our partners to defeat ISIS. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle Flournoy. And the motion is containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. And our next debater will be speaking against that motion, Anne-Marie Slaughter. She is president and CEO of New America and former director of policy planning for the U.S. Department of State. Ladies and gentlemen, Anne-Marie Slaughter. So I want to see the end of ISIS as much as anyone does. No one can watch the horrible things they do uh, and not think uh, that this is a terrible, terrible scourge uh, and threat, and we we have to end it. Um, The question on the table is what is the best strategy to achieve that goal for the United States? The debate here is do you use military force to drive them out of the territory they hold Or do you contain them where they are? So let's just be very clear about what's on the table here. They have to convince you they have a strategy for the United States to drive ISIS out of that sanctuary and somehow magically without boots on the ground. But I'll leave that to them. Here's what we mean by containment. Uh, we, We mean stopping ISIS where it is. Uh, and you do everything you can to stop uh, the flow of recruits. Um, so that's containment. It's not a do-nothing strategy. Uh, in fact, it's doing everything possible, and certainly diplomatically everything possible, digitally everything possible, uh, in, in, and militarily stopping them uh, from expanding uh, where they are. We're going to let ultimately, as we have done before for the older members of this audience, we're going to let uh, the the, uh, ideology crumble itself. The alternative is rollback. The alternative, as I said, is going in there and actually pushing them out of that territory. Uh, And the first thing to say is we've seen this movie before. General Petraeus was on the stage uh, two days ago talking about how he had pushed al-Qaeda in Iraq out of Mosul. Al-Qaeda in Iraq is not there, but guess who's back in Mosul? ISIS is there. This is round two. We have done this militarily before. That didn't work. And here's why. Because it isn't just an idea. It is not just a military question. ISIS is an ideology. Professor Haeckel said on the same stage that, of course, defeat is desirable, but how do you defeat a set of ideas? Equally or more troubling is that if we inject ourselves, we confirm their narrative, right? ISIS's narrative is they are fighting 
the Crusaders, that's us, the Zionists, that's the Israelis, and the Shiites and the Sufis. So the minute we put ourselves in there, we are confirming to them and everyone they want to recruit that this is indeed the millennial battle between the crusaders uh, and the true defenders of Islam. We don't want to do that. This is a deeply internal Muslim fight. It is a fight for the soul of Islam. It is not our fight. It is the Muslims' fight. In the end, we have to protect ourselves. We have to contain it, but we cannot win it. Thank it you, Anne-Marie Slaughter. Your time is up. Thank you. Thank you. And a reminder of what's going on. We are halfway through the opening round of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan. We have four debaters, two teams of two, arguing it out over this motion. Containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. You've heard first, the first two opening statements and now on to the third. Debating for the motion, containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. Philip Zelikow, he is the White Burkett Miller Professor of History at the University of Virginia and served as the director of the 9-11 Commission. Ladies and gentlemen, Philip Zelikow. Tough issue. But I want to start where Anne-Marie Slaughter left off. She said, injecting the United States into this conflict confirms their narrative as if we're not conducting airstrikes against them every single day, as if we're not, as the Deputy Secretary of State has said, we have already killed 10,000 of their members, but it has not declined. In other words, we're already injected. We're already fighting. We're just not beating them. That confirms their narrative. Let's talk about what failure looks like. Sure, failure looks like hundreds or thousands of Americans dead after an attack that could come next month, next year, or the year after that. But failure also looks like the descent of the Middle East into the full war of extremes, in which it's all against all, and Lebanon crumples, and Jordan crumples, and Turkey begins to crumple, all already awash with millions of displaced people. Saudi Arabia destabilized. Don't you think that that's the point that the U.S. has to reinvade the Middle East? That's failure. U.S. reinvasion of the Middle East is failure. That's the failure Michelle Flournoy and I are against. That's why you need to adopt this resolution and defeat ISIS so that we don't have to reinvade the Middle East. What then does success look like? It's Sunni Muslims liberating their own lands. So what's the strategy to do that? It's a political strategy, first and foremost. And it needs to be a strategy that appeals to Sunni Muslims because they're the ones we want to do most of the fighting, to keep Americans from having to do most of the fighting later on. Why will they fight? They will fight to free themselves, to free themselves from the Assad tyranny in Syria, where we also must join that fight and end the Syrian civil war, which is destroying the region and bringing it close to the brink of apocalypse. That's the kind of message that appeals to Turkey and brings them in on our side and unites Saudi Arabia and the Sunnis of Lebanon and the millions of Syrians in refugee camps who want to return to their homes. So the political strategy is the self-determination of Sunni Muslims. And the military strategy, advise and support so they can do the job. But it's a tough job. Think about urban combat and what you need armored vehicles that aren't going to be blown up by an IED as easily, jammers 
to defuse the IEDs, snipers who can provide overwatch, communication so that you know what's going on on the block two blocks away from you. Those are assets only the United States can provide, which gives them the confidence and the sense that we're in this with them that allows you to build a coalition founded on Sunni Muslims doing the job to liberate their own lands. Anne-Marie said at, at last, let ideology crumble itself. Did the Khmer Rouge crumble itself? No, the Vietnamese had to invade Cambodia. Did the Taliban crumble itself? Has the North Korean tyranny crumbled itself? No. You have to beat terror with something else. And in this case, the something else is defeating terror where it has taken root in ISIS. Thank Support you. the resolution. Thank you, Philip Selikoff. And the motion is containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. And here to make his opening statement against the motion and our final speaker in the opening round, Dov Zakheim. He is a senior advisor at the Center for Strategic and International Studies and former Undersecretary of Defense. Ladies and gentlemen, Dov Zakheim. Well, thanks very much. And, and I really want to thank Phil because he just made my argument. We have armed ISIS. What do you think they're using? American personnel carriers, American tanks, American ammunition. Why? Because we've done such a fantastic job training the Iraqis. And in fact, if you look at whom we've trained in Syria, we have a $500 million program that thus far has spat out 60 fighters. 60. That's less than that side of the room. You know, this isn't the first uh, outburst of Islamic extremism. For instance, in the 12th century, there was a fanatical group that actually had the same ideology as these guys, called the Almohads. And how were they defeated? By massive forces of Christian troops coming down from northern Spain. In the 18th century... The original Wahhabis, basically same kind of ideology, they were defeated by Turkish forces. We had the same sort of thing again in the late 19th century when Lord Kitchener, then General Kitchener, amassed a huge force to defeat the Mahdi in Sudan. What's the common denominator? Lots of troops. Not a few thousand not a bunch of spotters, because, oh, by the way, when the Israelis couldn't beat Hezbollah in 2006, they didn't have a problem with spotters. And when we tried to bomb Vietnam to the Stone Age in the 1960s with Rolling Thunder, we didn't have a problem with spotters. The issue is, can you and are you willing to send in hundreds of thousands of troops? Do you think this country wants to do that? Do you think we even want to spend the money to do that? We're living under a strange thing called a sequester. Somebody was asked on television, what's a sequester? And he answered, it's the capital of Portugal. (laughs) People don't even know what a sequester is. But what it's done is limit our spending. And you talk to Secretary of Defense Carter, and he rightly says he's being constrained all over the place. The president says it. The bottom line is, unless we have a coherent major military strategy, the real alternative 
when you, when you parse out all the stuff about what we can do right now, the real alternative is to keep them cooped up, to arm our friends, to figure out how to train those who will fight. And yes, the Sunnis might fight, but guess what? They haven't fought till now. We've been begging them for years. Saudi Arabia is fighting, except not in Syria, not in Iraq. They're fighting in Yemen. And they're not doing that hot a job there either. So we have to figure out how to motivate those we want to work with us. And that's going to take time. And what do we do in the meantime? We've got to contain ISIS for as long as possible. And if we could beat the Soviet Union, I wouldn't bet the family farm against our beating ISIS. Thank you. Thank you, Dov Zakheim. And that concludes round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate where our motion is containment is not enough, ISIS must be defeated. Now on to round two. Round two is where the debaters take questions from me, address one another directly, and take questions from you and our live audience here in Aspen. The motion is this, containment is not enough, ISIS must be defeated. We've heard one team arguing for the motion, Michelle Flournoy and Philip Zelico, arguing that ISIS is no minor league organization, that containment would be a recipe for endless terrorist attacks, that success would be supporting Muslim groups inside uh, the ISIS realm who would themselves take on the battle of defeating ISIS, but not, they emphasize, with hundreds of thousands of U.S. boots on the ground. The team arguing against the motion, Anne-Marie Slaughter and Dov Zakheim, they are arguing that uh, containment, by that they mean stopping ISIS where it is, but they don't mean a rollback, and that it is naive to argue that defeat cannot happen without bringing hundreds of thousands of troops onto the ground, that you cannot count on local forces to do that. But I am somewhat confused by the team arguing for the motion, saying we don't want to put troops on the ground. Your opponents say, well, how how else are you going to roll back? So I want to take that to you. If you want to take away the territory that ISIS has, which is its main asset, really, it's what gives it the basis for claiming a caliphate, and it's its best advertisement for being uh, authentic uh, and legitimate to its adherents. If you're not going to take away their territory, what what is it that you're going to be doing? Take that to uh, Michelle. I think that it's something that it's important to understand is in order to break their narrative of victory, you have to roll back territory. You have to take territory away from ISIS. And the way in which we're arguing to do that is to look to the actors who do have the political will to fight but have not been given the support or conditions. So, for example, this is not about trying to retrain a largely Shia Iraqi security forces to go into Sunni areas. What we need to do is first, with a political strategy, push the Iraqi government towards a policy of inclusion of the Sunnis. It's the exclusion and the persecution of the Sunni populations that has created the fertile soil for a group like ISIS to come in. I really, I feel like you're saying, I'm sure we can find these folks, and I'm sure they can fight our fight just as as long as we give them what they need to do. And if they don't, well, we'll give them a little more, and then we'll give them some advisors on the ground. And then guess what? Because we really got to get this done, because we really do have to roll it back, we're going to send in the troops. It's not as if the Obama administration is not pushing as hard as it can on the Iraqis to be inclusive. That has been our strategy. They're working as hard as they can. It's not as as if they're not trying to find people in Syria who will fight ISIL. It's not as if they haven't been pushing Turkey to fight ISIL. 
Everybody wants to fight ISIL, but they want to fight someone else more. And we can't do it for them. Tom Friedman said, any strategy in the Middle East that starts with I, we, or us is doomed to fail. It's got to be a strategy that starts with them. They lead. We stop. We, we don't let ISIS expand, but they have to do the fighting. And we can back them if they want to, but we're not going to roll it back. But the point was, can they fight? Yeah, they can fight. If you give them the kind of support, they've proven it. What they want above all is to fight to control their own homes. Is that a realistic goal? Yeah, that's a realistic goal. That's the goal of national liberation. That's not what we were fighting for I'm, in I'm Vietnam. Having, I'm having difficulty understanding well, yes, where was. you two agree, disagree with, with each other. I, I, unless, unless they're saying that your vision of for a long time leaving ISIS with the pieces of territory it has now is crazy because it's such a terrific advertisement for recruitment. They get their legitimacy as a caliphate from having the territory. And they're saying the patience you're willing to show is, is a crazy idea, which will lead to a disintegration and ultimately an invasion. And I'd like you to take on that point. Well, first of all, we're not talking about patience here. We do want to keep pushing them. Nobody said to stop even the, the bombing. We continue with that. We arm the Kurds. We do train. The point is, all of that is not going to defeat ISIS. It's going to contain ISIS. That's the point. We're saying you hold them. We all agree on that. You're saying you can only win if you roll it back. But what you won't do is actually adopt the only strategy that would roll them back, which is massive U.S. troops. There are two key flaws in this argument. First, we have not adequately resourced or tried advise and support. So before you get to that argument, the only thing that will work is a U.S. invasion. Can we at least just try a proper strategy of advice and support? What and else have we been doing? Because the second flaw in their argument is this. They assume that this is a stable equilibrium, that a devastated Syria with half the population displaced and millions of people in refugee camps and all the surrounding states, that can be stably maintained for who knows how long to come. They can just stand on that tightrope for hours and hours. Eventually, they're going, to, they're going to fall off that tightrope. And then you ask yourself, which way do you think that goes as the Middle East descends into all-out religious war? Look, look, resources, 500 million bucks to train 60 people. That's a tremendous payout. Because we wouldn't fight Assad. That's why we could attract no recruits. Okay, so do you want to fight Assad? Now you want to fight a two-front war. We've you want to fight Assad? To settle and you the want to, Syrian civil war. You want to fight both sides. That's great. Well, I hope we figure out which no, side we shoot at that's first. That's how you bring Hang the Sunni coalition Hang together. On. You want to put a, first of all, how much money should we fund the Saudis whom we want to fight for us? I mean, last time I checked, they weren't going around with a tin not cup. That's what we're arguing, Dev. So, so it's not the Saudis, and it's not the Emiratis, it's just these people themselves. Again, how did the Iraqi army that we were training, and we poured billions into these guys, what a great job they did. Frankly, it's a tangle. It's just so hard. They're so, con- they're so mixed up. Let's just leave them be, and it'll be okay. We're not saying leave them be. And even if you we want to applaud, ha- we're still when, not saying leave when, them be. Wait, 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 let, when let, this let, region let disintegrates, you don't think we'll be called back in? Do you think the day after a thousand Americans are killed in a mass casualty attack, that the president of the, you're going to go to the president of the United States and just tell him doing more about it is too hard? 
I went through 9-11. I saw what happened after 9-11. Do you honestly think that even if we got rid of ISIS, we would get rid of a 9-11? There was no ISIS in 9-11, and Al-Qaeda is still there, and there are all these franchised terrorist groups, some of whom call themselves ISIS, some of whom don't, who, could, who are just as intent as going after us. That is not the issue. To throw up the bugaboo of some individual bomber going after us, and therefore we somehow defeat ISIS, it, it just doesn't work. Question down front here. And the mic's coming down this way. Um, my name is Ayan Hersi Ali, and Michelle and Philip, you made a fantastic moral case to defeat ISIS, and I completely agree with you. Last year this time, our president stood in front of the world and said, we're going to degrade and defeat ISIS. And the question that you have to answer and you have to deal with is really, is this debate about ISIS or is it about American leadership? Is the United States of America prepared to take the lead in this? And for the two of you, what case would you make to the presidential candidates and to the American people to take that lead and keep that lead? I, I think the... Um, Michelle Flournoy. I, this, this, is, this is about both. Um, I think we have to make the case that ISIS is a threat that will directly threaten Americans, whether we want that to be true or not. Um, and that the kind of political strategy, the kind of coalition that is going to be needed to actually turn the president's and the vice president's words into actions, which has not fully happened yet, that will require U.S. leadership. And nobody else but the United States can lead that coalition to beat this organization. Right down front here, sir. And Mike's going to come down. You see. A great debate. Uh, Graham Allison, uh, if this is such an imminent threat... Uh, why is it that our Israeli allies are so relaxed about it? So I would ask exactly the same question. In fact, I mean, Israel's our closest ally in the Middle East. They are certainly every bit as much as uh, on, the, on these sort of enemies of ISIS as we are. As I said, ISIS fights the Crusaders, the Zionists, uh, the Sufis, and the Shiites. Uh, and yes, Israel looks at this, I think, and understands that to get in there to the extent that it would take to roll them back from their territory is immediately to strengthen them because then they're fighting the Zionist enemy. And so I, w- I think Israel is very wise on this. Response from this side? Philip the, the, the presumption that Israel is relaxed about ISIS, <laughs> which would have, you know, any member of ISIS, if he were to encounter an Israeli citizen in ISIS territory, there's going to be a really gruesome video the next week, okay? Put yourself in Israel's position. They have a lot of things going on in their world right now. Palestinians, they're attacking Hezbollah in Syria, which is also fighting on Assad's side. So the notion that, gee, let's see if we can attack Raqqa and bomb ISIS so that Jewish airplanes are bombing ISIS and that helps us recruit Sunni Muslims... So I think the Israelis have kind of figured out that that's not the path to a successful coalition strategy to defeat ISIS. I'm John Donvan. Questions from the audience and the results of tonight's debate still to come on Intelligence Squared U.S.
I want to remind you that we're in the question and answer section of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan. We have four debaters, two teams of two, debating this motion. Containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. Let's go to another question, sir. Uh, this is Peter Fever, and I have a question for the nattering nabobs of negativism over here on this side. You've invoked the, uh, the example of containment, but the only example of it working in history that you've mentioned is against a superpower the Soviet Union. Can you tell me a time when containment of a terrorist organization worked? How far down the containment okay. a la Soviet Union are Thanks. you Good willing question. to go? Yeah, sure. Henry Slaughter. So um, you, just, you, you thought we were containing a superpower. We were not. We were containing an ideology. And what is vital about understanding ISIL is it is just the latest manifestation of of an extremist ideology that says the only way to purify Islam, just as once there were arguments about the only way to purify Christianity, is to revert to an extreme version of the religion. So the beginning round of this is 1979 with the attack on the Great Mosque in Mecca and similarly, actually, the the Iranian Revolution. Then you see the Taliban. Then you see Al-Qaeda. Then, as you've heard, you see Boko Haram. You see manifestations of what is a decades-long fight. The Arab Spring is another version of it, and it's just going to keep happening until Muslims fight it out. We can contain it. We obviously have to protect ourselves, but we are not going to be the ones to actually win this fight. I want to, uh, let, I want to let the other side respond to the initial question, if you would like to. Michelle Fornoy. I think the, you know, the, the reason why, one of the reasons why containment worked vis-a-vis a superpower in a state like the Soviet Union was because it was coupled with a robust policy of deterrence uh, and the threat of massive retaliation. Um, these concepts are not operative when you're dealing with a transnational terrorist organization. You know, it's interesting when when someone said today that maybe we didn't need to worry so much about a catastrophic threat. It turned out that the recently retired head of the British Secret Service was at the table. And he said, when I was listening to you say that, I was thinking that neither I nor any leader of any security service I know of would have understood what you were talking about. Is the threat, the threat picture that they are seeing, the threat picture that caused the director of the FBI to publicly say two weeks ago that ISIS is now the leading threat on his agenda. The reason the FBI has been picking up ISIS supporters in all 50 states of the United States during the last month, that's because of the threat picture that they are seeing, and that's this year. That's not 2016, that's 2017. You just think about the way this develops in time, because this is a much larger safe haven than al-Qaeda ever had. Down front here. Stefan Edlis, where would the money come from to undertake that gigantic uh, effort that you propose? Well, as I said, I don't think... uh, I, I don't think that right now we have the national will to do this. And frankly, even if we started spending the money, and you know, we do spend money on these sorts of things, this takes time. In effect, what you're doing, when you, if we were to do what you suggest, we would be containing them. We wouldn't be rolling them back at that point. We would, they wouldn't lose an inch of territory because of that. It takes time. If you want to undermine them, this is one of the ways to do it. What you're talking about is Radio Free Europe, Voice of America updated to 2015. 
We, Michelle the, Flournoy. The, the administration, the Obama administration, has very successfully put together a 60-nation coalition. But what we haven't yet achieved is a coherent strategy where everybody's pulling in the right direction, the same direction. One of the things that our partners need to be convinced of is the degree of U.S. commitment. I think if the U.S. shows that commitment, we have a lot of leverage to get others to be using the money they're already putting in to this theater in a much more productive and effective manner. Let's go to another question. I am Dave Petraeus, um, and I... (laughs) It's okay. I I rise to take slight issue and ask a question uh, of my friend Anne-Marie Slaughter. Anne-Marie, you stated that the surge didn't work. Um, With great respect, uh, I was there, and actually... (laughs) Actually, it worked pretty extraordinarily. I mean, driving violence down by 85 to 90 percent. The results were sustained, in fact, for three and a half years after the drawdown of the surge forces until Prime Minister Malki undid them uh, and all that we in Iraqi forces achieved, uh, and he alienated the Sunnis. So the point here is that he undid the political bargain that was reached during the surge. The question, can you be confident, Amory, that allowing ISIS to continue to control large areas of Syria, i.e. just containing them, and Iraq, can allow the new political discussions that are so important in ensuring multi-sectarian and multi-ethnic populations that they can enter into the new bargains in the shadow of areas from which contained but undefeated ISIS extremists will continue to project violence, seeking to spread the horrific humanitarian situation and geopolitical Chernobyl that is, so, that is Syria. Dave, so... General Petraeus, even even though we are both proud graduates of the Woodrow Wilson School, I could not quite keep all of that in my head at one moment. Uh, but what I will say is I did not say that the surge was not successful. The surge was successful. And then you left. And then we left. And then the Iraqis did not do what they should be doing to liberate their own country on their own. Uh, and we are back here again. As you said from the stage, I was there. We liberated Mosul, but Mosul is now once again under ISIL control or under a violent extremist Islamic group. So that's exactly what I'm saying. If we could keep David Petraeus on the ground in Iraq, working with Chester Crocker, advising the Iraqi government every step of the way, yes, I think we would succeed. My point is we are not going to do that. And because we're not going to do that, trying to do it one more time, we just do it round and round and round. And we do not ultimately do what we need to do to let this fight play out as it's going to play out on its own. But I think the question was... In the face of uh, a still vibrant ISIS in Iraq and Syria, how can you get to the political progress that will ultimately resolve these situations? You, you argued for diplomacy and political settlement on both sides of this border as part of your strategy as well. But you can't no, get there as long as, as ISIS is a vibrant force. I, we we agree that if you want to roll back ISIS and take them out, 
right? Then, and you're willing to stay, you can get, what did you say, uh, General Petraeus? I think you said maturing multi-sectarian populations. There, I haven't there are no seen lifelines any. in the debate. I'm I haven't sorry. seen, all right. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't you call can't, out, sorry. Sorry. My point was, I have not seen that, but if we were to get there, it's going to take actually pushing them out. And once again, you don't have a strategy that can do that absent U.S. troops. We, we believe that we do, and we've explained it. But I think if absent that, you are condemning this region to perpetual instability, civil war, violence, and the um, incubation of terrorism against the West. And, and that concludes us. round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where our motion is containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. Now we move on to round three. Round three are where the debaters make closing statements from their seats. Here to make his closing statement for the motion, containment is not enough, ISIS must be defeated, Philip Zelico, professor of history at the University of Virginia, former counselor of the Department of State. One of the things I had the sad task of doing years ago was to be the executive director of the 9-11 Commission. This is the commission that was called upon to investigate after the fact what had happened. Of course, for years before 9-11, we knew al-Qaeda was at war with us. Well, we weren't sure they were going to come to the homeland. And besides, if you looked at the problem, and people did, it was just so hard. Look at who we'd have to work with in Afghanistan, the Northern Alliance. The politics of the Northern Alliance were nightmarish. There were thugs and warlords among them. And besides, if you wanted to do something with some special forces, there'd be risks to Americans. And then, of course, then came 9-11. And then here I am interviewing general and national security advisors and even former presidents. And it's wish we coulda, wish we shoulda. But was it really then better now to then have to occupy Afghanistan and we're still there 14 and a half years later because we didn't take the risks, the messy politics, the hard laboring with some effort. Instead, we ended up with catastrophe and a catastrophic commitment of the United States. If you want to avoid that kind of catastrophic commitment, vote for the resolution because we need to nip this in the bud we need to deal with this infection now before the gangrene spreads and the surgeon brings out the hacksaw. Thank you, Philip Zelikow. The motion, containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. And here to make her closing statement against the motion, Anne-Marie Slaughter, president and CEO of New America and former director of policy planning for the Department of State. So the last time I was on this stage, uh, I was uh, talking about male-female equality. It's another hat that I wear. uh, And uh, from that perspective, ISIS does absolutely unspeakable things to women. And I'm not hesitant about the use of force, and I'm definitely not hesitant about U.S. leadership in the world. The reason I'm taking the position I'm taking is because when I read the proposition that said containment is not enough, ISIS must be defeated, I saw once again the United States making the mistake of believing that we could solve a problem that is a decades-long, maybe century-long struggle, fight, war among Muslims. We should protect ourselves 
And yes, if there is that coalition of other states or strong fighters that we can support, I would support them. But what's really at issue here, the only thing we're disagreeing about is do you stop them where they are or do you roll them back? Do you take away their territory? And my proposition is that if we, the United States, try to lead a coalition to take away their territory, we will once again find ourselves in the midst of someone else's fight in a way we do not understand, and we are often producing precisely the consequences we wish to avoid. Thank you, Anne-Marie Slaughter. The motion is containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. And here to make her closing statement in support of the motion, Michelle Flournoy, co-founder and CEO of the Center for a New American Security and former Undersecretary of Defense. One of the most searing memories of my time in the Pentagon was a visit to Dover Air Force Base. Dover Air Force Base is where the remains of fallen U.S. servicemen in Iraq, Afghanistan, wherever, are brought Uh, back to the United States. It is the first place where the families of the fallen um, are able to receive their loved ones. On the night I was there, my first visit, it was bitterly cold. We were waiting on the tarmac for what seemed like forever for a large uh, military transport plane to come in. Eventually the the plane came in, landed, and taxied to a stop on the tarmac. Off to the side nearby, uh, away from the press, was about, were about a dozen grief-stricken uh, families who were there to receive a, a father, a husband, a brother, a daughter, a sister. And we waited for what seemed like an eternity, and eventually the back of the plane opened to reveal a row of flag-draped caskets. And one by one, each of those was lovingly carried by a group of soldiers off to an awaiting family. Uh, It was a just unbearable and devastating scene. When we think about how we're going to fight or how, how we deal with ISIS, we need to think about Dover, the human cost of the choices we make and the choices we fail to make. And I am here today firmly believing that if we do not adopt a more robust and well-resourced strategy where we're not doing it all by ourselves, but we are leading to fight this horrific movement, we will spend more blood and treasure down the road. Michelle Flournoy, I'm sorry, your time is up. Thank you. The motion is containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. And here to make his closing statement, Dov Zakheim, a senior advisor at the Center for Strategic and International Studies and former Undersecretary of Defense. In 2002, I was asked to help get troops and funds for that coalition. First the coalition in Afghanistan, then the coalition in Iraq. I got money. I didn't get any troops from Muslims. Not one Muslim country sent troops in, as I recall. Some helped with training in their own countries. To talk of coalitions is to talk essentially, if the Brits want to play again, of a U.S.-U.K. coalition with a lot of other flags. It's not going to work. General Petraeus is right. The surge worked. Phil, you're right. With over 100,000 troops. And I remember sitting next to the Deputy Secretary of Defense and testifying, who 
then said that General Shinseki was wrong when he said we needed several hundred thousand troops to win in Iraq. We did put six figures of troops in Iraq, lots of troops in Afghanistan. But that's behind us. It's not 9-11 anymore. It's not 9-12. We have a history of being in there. They don't want us. So we have this Hobson's choice. Put in loads of troops, beat ISIS back, roll them back as you would like, and take the risk of alienating the Arabs, or alternately, holding them in place, doing all the other things you talk about. But it'll take time, it'll take money, it'll take will, and it ain't going to happen overnight. We cannot beat these people unless we are absolutely committed to more money, more troops, more will. It ain't going to happen. Thank you. Thank you, Dov Zakheim. And that concludes closing statements in round three. Okay, the results are all in now. Again, the motion is this. Containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. We had teams arguing for and against. You voted twice. Again, the team whose numbers changed the most between the first and the second vote will be declared our winner. Let's look at the preliminary vote. On the motion, containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. Before you heard the arguments, 52% of you agreed. 27% were against. 21% were undecided. Those are the first results. Remember, again, it's going to be the difference. Let's look at the second vote. On containment is not enough. ISIS must be defeated. The team arguing for the motion, their second vote, 32%. They went from 52% to 32%. They lost 20 percentage points. The team arguing against, their first vote was 27%. Second, 59%. They went up 32 percentage points. The team arguing against the motion declared our winner. Our congratulations to them. Thank you for me, John Donvan, and Intelligence Squared U.S. We'll see you next time. This Intelligence Squared U.S. debate was presented in partnership with the Aspen Strategy Group. The debate was held at the Aspen Institute in Aspen, Colorado. Dana Wolf is executive producer. Robert Rosencrantz is chairman. Taylor Quimby and Rob Christensen are the radio producers. Damon Whittemore is the audio engineer. Clea Chang is director of production. Chris Kamakawa is director of research. And I'm your host, John Donvan. For more information or to purchase tickets to future events, visit iq2us.org. Intelligence Squared U.S. is distributed by NPR. These debates are made possible by generous contributions from listeners like you and with visionary support from the Connor Davis Family Foundation, David A. Coulter, Christopher W. Johnson Charitable Trust, George L. Orstrom Jr. Foundation, Dr. Kelly Posner Gerstenhaber, Profit Capital Asset Management, the Rosencrantz Foundation, the Arthur N. Roop Foundation, the Mortimer D. Sackler Foundation, and the Paul E. Singer Foundation. From Intelligence Squared U.S., thank you.